My name's Andrew Woods, and I am one of the elders here at Grace Covenant Church, and it is my distinct pleasure to bring to you the Word of God this morning. If you would open in your Bibles to the 46th Psalm, the 46th Psalm, and as you're turning there, um, I find it a privilege uh, over the past couple years to be able to come and to preach on the first day of a new year. So here we are on the outset of 2023, gathered together as our first Lord's Day. And as we stand here, we we have to remember, or sit here, we have to remember what 2022 held for us. As we think about the past things that Pastor Phil prayed for us this morning, as he talked about the different circumstances that we experienced, whether that was death, birth, whether that was wars, whether that was natural disasters, whatever it may be, there was all kinds of circumstances that we experienced in 2022. And this has an effect about how we follow Christ. It can affect us both positively and negatively. And so this morning, my hope through God's word is to help orient you, uh, renew your mind for 2023. Because the fact is, There will be deaths in 2023. There will be wars in 2023. There will be natural disasters in 2023. You will need to prep yourself, prepare yourself to follow Christ no matter what the circumstances are ahead of you in 2023. And I think by God's providence, Psalm 46 speaks exactly to that. So would you read along with me in your copy of God's Word? And if you don't have one, there should be a Bible in front of you, in the seat in front of you. Um, Grab that, open it up to Psalm 46, and hear the inspired, inerrant, infallible, and sufficient Word of God for you this morning. Psalm 46. To the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to the Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes Wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Hear the word of God. This morning, this Psalm 46, um, which, which happened to be Martin Luther's favorite psalm, 
uh, is going to be broken up quite easily for us. When we read those say laws um, while we were reading through Psalm 46, that's a way to tell us to stop, listen, meditate on God's word. And so we're going to have three distinct sections in Psalm 46 that we're going to traverse through this morning. The first section being verses 1 through 3. And I've, I've named this section an omnipresent God. So verses 1 through 3, if you're a note taker, an omnipresent God. Then we'll go through verses 4 through 7. And verses 4 through 7, I've entitled an omnipotent God. An omnipotent God. And then verses 8 through 11 will end with an exalted God. An exalted God. And notice all of these things are talking about God and not ourselves as we orient our minds for 2023. As we prepare for 2023, it's not about how well you can plan, prep, get in better shape, be more intelligent, be healthier, whatever it may be, make more money, get a better job. It's actually about knowing who God is. That is what will prepare us for 2023. So let's dive in then in Psalm 46. We begin in verse 1 with just a mind-blowing reality. We begin with God is our refuge and strength. What I think is really cool here is we begin with both a defensive and an offensive look at God. When we look at both refuge and strength, we understand uh, refuge as being a defensive, a protective look, and then strength being an offensive and a conquering look. And so we begin this psalm with the idea that God, this omnipresent or uh, everywhere present God, is our refuge. Now refuge is something that we turn to for salvation. So kids... Those of you that are in here still, let me ask you a question. When it's nighttime and you've been tucked into bed and you hear something loud and scary, what do you do? Now, you don't have to answer it out loud, but I'll walk you through me going through this with my kids last night. So last night, I asked the same question to, to my boys, who were the only ones that made it uh, to, for family devotion last night, uh, who were awake for it. And so I went over, what do you guys do when something scary happens? And they answered, oh, well, if I hear something scary outside, I come to your room. Okay, well, why do you come to our room? Well, because that's where you are, dad and mom. Okay, good. Well, well, well why then do you come to mommy and daddy? And the answer was, well, because you have a gun and you can keep us safe. <laughs> now, <laughs> the reality is kids say, right, they, they want to run to mommy and daddy. Why? Because mommy and daddy are their salvation. Mommy and daddy are the ones that will keep them safe amidst the trouble. And friends, when we think of God being our refuge, this is on a scale that's incomprehensible. When we think about who God is, when we think of him being our refuge, we know that he is this incomprehensible God. 
That we run to Him for salvation because He has given us salvation. He has given us salvation from our souls, from the pits of hell. There should be no one else that you want to turn to in 2023 and for the rest of your lives when you are in trouble. Because there is no one else who can save like God. But that's not all. He's not just our refuge, He's our strength. This is a helpful reminder of you, to you, that when you are looking uh, in your battle with sanctification, if you're a believer, and wanting to be more holy, you can't just muster up enough strength to be holy, to be better. God gives you strength. He gives you the ability to conquer sin. In the Old Testament, we saw this as God getting all the glory for giving Israel the strength to win battles. And so our, our, our author here, our psalmist here, this is most likely what he's thinking about. This, this conquering in battle, God gives us our strength. And we know as Christians that God gives us strength to conquer our sins. So God is a refuge and a strength and a very present help in trouble. Oh, the thing that we seem to forget as we make our New Year's resolutions. These are the things that I will do. This is how I will get better. This is all about me. 2023, maybe it's helpful for us to remember that God is a very present help in trouble and wants us to go to Him. Now, when we read very present, don't just skim over it. There's a lot going on here. We see that God is not just here, but God is findable. God is attainable. There's no secret incantation you must give. There is no specific um, duty that you must do to know that God is here and willing to be your refuge, your strength, and your help. You don't muster up enough goodness to bring God's presence to you. No, his presence is not in question. This is because God is omnipresent. That's a, that's a $5 theological word for saying that God is always everywhere at all times. And if your head isn't scratching at this, then you're not thinking about it enough because it's crazy to think of this. It's hard. It's, our minds cannot wrap around that God is always present for every single person in this room, out of this room, this entire earth at all times forever. He is there and he is ready for his people. So it's helpful to reorient ourselves in knowing God. The more we know about him and the less we try to worship ourselves the better our circumstances, we can walk through our circumstances in 2023. Because these circumstances will come, like we talked about. We, we know that death will come. We know that our lives are but a vapor. No matter how much you want to fix things, vote for things, prep for things, obey things better, we must realize that this is a wrong man-centered orientation. We must look not inside of ourselves to muster up strength, but we must look outside of ourselves to the omnipresent God for help amidst all our troubles because he is there and is our refuge and our strength. Now, that's just verse one. 
we get this pivot in this first section with the therefore, right? We always want to know why, what is the therefore, therefore. So we get this um, indicative or this truth of who God is, and then it tells us what we will do. Therefore, we will not fear. Now, this is a hard concept. This is a hard concept to understand, that we will not fear, and, and the sentence gets harder. Though the earth gives way, though the literally earth is coming undone as we've read this. Now, I'm not sure how many of you have been through an earthquake or a tsunami or a landslide, but those are absolutely terrifying. But you might say, but Andrew just said, don't fear. Yes, yes, I don't want you to fear. Because when we know who is in control of our every breath, our every minute of existence, it might be scary, but we know that we are secure in Christ. Let me give you a story from church history. In late 1735, a ship made its way to the New World from England. On board was a young Anglican minister, John Wesley who had been invited to serve as a pastor to the British colonists in Savannah, Georgia. Now, when the weather went sour, as it often does at sea during these times, the ship found itself in serious trouble. Okay, maybe like the oceans foaming, the waters roaring. Uh, you can only imagine the fear that was happening on this boat. And Wesley, who was the chaplain of this vessel, feared for his life. But he noticed a group of German Moravians, or, or you could call them pietists, people that were very concerned with holiness, who were on their way to preach to the American Native Americans. And they were not afraid at all. In fact, through the storm, they sat there and they sang calmly amidst the storm. When the trip ended and they survived, Wesley went to the Moravian leader and he asked him about his serenity and the Moravian responded with a question. Do you, Mr. Wesley, have faith in Christ? That was his only question he asked him. Wesley said he did, but later reflected, I fear they were vain words. This is actually Wesley's testimony of coming to Christ, seeing in this horrible, terrifying experience what it looked like to have faith in Jesus. Now, I'm not here to shame you into saying, no matter what circumstances may happen, you need to look like those German Moravians. But what I am saying is that it is possible and it is okay for us to see a good story of godly people who have rooted themselves in the very essence, they have oriented themselves that no matter what happens, this omnipresent God is there and willing to help in trouble. Now, as we keep reading some of these words about uh, the earth giving way, the mountains being moved into the heart of the sea, waters roaring and foaming, mountains trembling at its swelling. I, I want to tell you that I believe this psalm that we're reading this morning is actually an eschatological psalm. That's another fancy word for saying, I think this psalm points to the end of the world. As we read Psalm 46, 
I think it points to the fact that the end will happen and how we as Christians are to respond to it. So verses one through three, an omnipresent God, always there and willing to help because he is everywhere at all times and is able to help us. Verses four through seven, an omnipotent God. Omnipotent is a word to describe God's all power. He is able to do all things. He is all powerful to do everything that he says he can do. Now I want you to notice what happens after verse three and going into verse four. There's a transition. Did you pick it up? It's a transition from peril to peace. This nature of the psalm moves from from trembling and troubles to gladness. From the end of the world to a new heavenly reality. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. He shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. What is this city of God that's being talked about? This holy habitation. Now for our author, what he's doing is he's pointing to the temple. He's pointing, where does God dwell? For God's people. Well, his presence dwells in the temple and it dwells in a city where the people of God would come and they would worship. In this Jerusalem, that, they, that's where God's presence was. This was to them the city of God. There's just one problem with this when we read it. One that made me scratch my head and was fun to dig after and think about. There is no river that runs through the city of Jerusalem. So, so what's happening here when we read about this river that is running through the city and its streams are bringing gladness? Well, friends, this is because the idea of a river being in the city is pointing to the new Jerusalem. It's pointing to the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, commentators help us here when they say the imagery of the river and the streams is reminiscent of the description of the river with its four branches in the passage of the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2. The restoration to the presence of God is likened to a restoration to the Garden of Eden of all those who are members of the city of God. They need not fear, but have reason to be glad because God has made his dwelling with man. The river is a metaphor of blessing and restoration. Friends, I would have you this afternoon look up a few verses and think about this river. I'd have you go to Isaiah chapter 43 verses 19 through 20. I'd have you go to Revelation chapter 22 verses 1 through 5 where this beautiful description of this river that flows from the throne of God out through the city. It is a beautiful way to see where there was this river, there's a longing for the river, and there will be this river of gladness that God will bring to his people. Now we get further confirmation of this idea when we see that God is in the midst of the city, and the city will not be moved, and God will help when the morning dawns. All of this is poetic language pointing to the new reality that awaits the people of God in the end. So when we read 
that God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved and God will help her when the morning dawns, right? They're in the darkness right now. They're in the night and they're waiting for the morning to dawn when God will make things right again. Aren't we waiting for that same thing? Come Lord Jesus in 2023. We are waiting for the morning to dawn and for us to all be a part of a city that is unshakable, unmovable, whose foundations have been laid by the blood of the Lamb. To further see a sea, kind of a contrast between this immovable kingdom, we see the instability of the nations and the kingdoms that gets picked up in verse 6. They rage and totter. Now, this is an interesting usage of the word totter. It's the same word that's actually been used multiple times in this psalm already. We just have not seen it yet. And so when we read in verse 6 that the nations rage and the kingdoms totter, it's also connected to verse 2. When we read that though the mountains be moved or totter, into the heart of the sea. We're seeing this massive instability. If these nations, if these kingdoms can can totter and move around, um, they can be destroyed in an instant. We see the mountains will totter. They will shake. They will be thrown into the sea. There is nothing safe. If you are placing this morning your refuge and your strength in a kingdom that is not God's kingdom, in a nation, friends, that too will fall. These things will not last forever. These are not, the earthly kingdoms will not last. They will fall and they will be destroyed. But God's kingdom will never be moved. God is in the midst of her. He shall not be moved. He shall not be tottered. He will not be tottered like the mountains and the nations and the kingdoms that rage. His is an immovable kingdom. Now we know from the previous Psalms that there has been a longing for this renewed kingdom again. They've wanted their kingdom to be renewed. They're wanting, they're longing for the king to come and marry the queen. We learned in Psalm 45, there's a longing for the king to make the kingdom right. This is what they're longing for. This is what we long for. And then it is at this point that God utters his voice and the earth melts. Just just take a second. Take a second and dwell on the fact that at one point, God's voice will utter and the earth will melt away in an instant. Now, if you were listening this morning, Eric Hassan-Jager began... uh, our our service with a call to worship from Psalm 33. And in Psalm 33, we see the steadfast love of God. We see the steadfast love of God in his creation of all things. In verse six, it said, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Everything was made by God, by his word. Everything was created by God by his very word. We can go back to Genesis 1. We see that God spoke and things came into existence. And friends, we see in Psalm 46 the same idea. God's voice will come 
and it will be the end. The beginning and the end. God is all-powerful over all of these things. There is not a circumstance that is outside of his purview. God is an omnipotent God. He is an all-powerful God. Now, through the melting and the tottering and the raging, we see that the Lord of hosts is with us. And verse 7. So as you think of all the calamity uh, that, that is looking forward and ahead, we see that the Lord of hosts is with us. Now, there is a ton going on in verse 7, and I'm excited to talk to you about it because you should be excited too as you read the simple phrase, the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. This is the name for God or a name for God, and it is, it's combining two ideas. First of all, you'll see that Lord is in all caps. So what we're seeing here is the name for God, which is known as his covenantal name, which is Yahweh. And when we see this all capped out in our Bibles, this is the word that's being used, Yahweh. And when we think of Yahweh, you need to be think of a, a covenantal God who has condescended and made a covenant with his people. So this God throughout all of eternity, throughout all of time has decided that he will dwell with his people and that he will fulfill all his promises that he makes to his people. So when we read the Lord of hosts is with us, you should tremble, but you should also praise God. He will never forget any of his promises. But it's not only the, the, the covenantal name of God, it is this idea of the Lord of hosts. This is a Lord who is a commander of all the armies of heaven. So it brings with it this fulfillment of covenant, and it also brings with it this mighty power. So the covenantal God who makes a covenant with his people a covenant of grace that we see has spanned all throughout redemptive history. We know from the Psalter and from 1 Samuel that there is this specific promise to always have a seat on the throne of David. We learn from Psalm 45 that this king who would sit on the throne is none other than Christ Jesus. We know that this covenant that God has made with his people, that those that would believe in Jesus would have eternal life. This covenantal God who never forgets his promises to his people. This God who is perfect beyond all measure, who is powerful to save and to secure, to run to. This God is with us. Praise be to God. And not only that, but he is our fortress. Now, fortress and refuge are similar words. And in fact, they're, they're kind of translated the same um, in, in other parts of scripture. But we see in refuge, this personal savior running to, we see fortress, this impregnable defense against all the things that are thrown our way. So we see a mighty fortress is our God. So how sh this should start reorienting the way you live this year and for the rest of the, your life. How should this help you reorient this 2023, this morning, as you sit here on the first Lord's Day of the year? No matter what you experience in the upcoming days, weeks, months, years, the covenantal, all-powerful God is with you. 
So let me ask you, what other fortress is worth running to? What other place is there to seek refuge than in the arms of our God? So now we move, as the psalmist moves, to our last section. We have talked about this omnipresent God always there in times of trouble. We've talked about this omnipotent God, this all-powerful God. By his very voice, the earth melts. He's powerful to save as this covenantal Lord of hosts. And now we come to an exalted God. We're going to see in these last few verses imperatives. If you've ever heard me preach, you know what imperatives are, but I'll remind you. Imperatives are commands given by God for you to follow. That's what an imperative is. So when we read a verb in the imperative, we know that we're being told to do something. Now, don't forget the context of where we've came already. Don't forget all of these things that we've learned about God before we get to these imperatives. Because it doesn't matter if you just try to grab onto these imperatives and forget this foundation that we've built in God. So here are our first two imperatives. Come and behold. So as we move, we, we bring this context to bear. These two imperatives. Come. The psalmist beckons us to draw near to Yahweh. In fact, it says, come behold the works of the Lord. The Lord being in all caps, come to Yahweh. There is a relational aspect here that you would draw near to the Lord, that you would move towards God. Come, he calls us, he beckons us. Come and behold. This becomes kind of emphatic and what I mean by is emphatic is, is repetitive. He really wants you to feel the gist of this, right? Come and behold. Come and see. In order to see, we must draw near. So he really wants us to come close, and he wants us to see, namely, God's works. Now, I think if you want to summarize the entire Psalter, you could summarize, summarize it like this. Come behold the wondrous deeds of the Lord. I really think you could say it in a sentence. That is what the entire Psalter is helping us see because we get wayward, we need help, we need to be reminded of who our God is. So come and behold the wondrous deeds of our Lord. And we see in this verse, come and behold the works of the Lord. Now, in this context, seeing what the works of the Lord is is really interesting. The works that he wants us to come and see is the judgment of the earth. This is what the psalmist wants us to see. The Old Testament calls this the day of the Lord. God has brought desolation on the earth. Destruction. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he's brought desolations on the earth. How he makes war cease to the end of the earth. How he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. This is the judgment. This is God wiping out these raging nations, these tottering kingdoms. I think one thing that's fun to see and it connects us back to the beginning again is that God makes wars cease. When wars cease, we'll know that the day is near because we are not even close. As we have experienced in 2022 and now going into 2023, war 
And as we have a front row seat because of our media that we're able to consume and see just the, the horrors of war, but listen to this beautiful promise from God. God makes wars cease. Interestingly enough, this word for ceasing comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. And when you look at the Hebrew word Shabbat, it actually means Sabbath. So God, in the end, will give a Sabbath to all wars. There will be no more war. We'll be able to rest in our unshakable kingdom. It really, it should keep pointing us back to the garden, right? God He had a Shabbat in the garden after he created everything. He rested. He was showing us this need for us to rest in God. We're going to be going through Hebrews 4 here pretty soon as a church, and we're going to see this Shabbat. We're going to see this Sabbath that we can rest in Christ. It's beautiful. And we see that God even makes these horrible things like war stop. And because of that, because of this context, we come to our next two imperatives. So God's going to come look. Come look at what God will do, people. This is what God will do. He will judge the earth and he will bring peace. And then we get these these two other imperatives that we know so well. Be still and know that he is God. Now I have to take a minute. Because I'm just going gonna, gonna to go out on a, on a limb here and say there might be a coffee mug in your home that has this verse on it. Maybe a journal, okay? Maybe a t-shirt, something that you have this verse. And, and maybe, just maybe, this has been a verse that you've memorized in the past. And as you've memorized this verse and you've meditated on this verse, you have thought of this verse being talked to you like this. Be still. And know that I am God. You think of this comforting feeling. You think of this this sweetness. And I'm not here to totally dispel that. But I think you might be thinking of this verse in the wrong manner. When you think of this as being comfy and cozy and curled up with a cup of coffee as you're about to journal something... I think you're, you're actually getting the wrong feeling when you read this verse. You see, this verse comes after God judging the world. After God judging the world. After he destroys the war machines of this earth. We see that God has shown that he will melt the earth. That while kingdoms rage and totter, this, uh, when, when God throws mountains into the sea... God is essentially telling his people, the ones he dwells with, knock it off. Be still is not, just calm your spirit, man, and chill out. That's not be still. Be still is a rebuke. Be still and know that I am God. Stop fretting. Just stop. In fact, Stop acting like you are God and thinking it is up to you to change the course of history. You're not God. Be still. This stillness is a recognition that you are in the presence of what Martin Luther translated as Lord Sabaoth or the Lord of hosts. This 
is being still. There's fearing God, so you fear no other things. Secondly, he commands that we know that he is God. Know that this God that we have described as a very present help in trouble, this omnipresent God always there, a refuge for his people, this omnipotent God, this God who is powerful enough to melt the earth with his voice and keep his people in the new heavens and the new earth secure for all times in his mere presence, he is the one who knows your end from your beginning. This is the God that you're called to know. And then again, the context of this coffee mug verse. God ends with saying, I will be exalted. This is part of the same verse. It might not be on your coffee mug, but it is a part of the same verse. Be still and know that I am God. And, and, and I, I raise my voice. I know you guys know I get excited, but there's exclamation points here. This is, this is a rebuke. This is loud. God speaking through the psalmist. This is a quote of God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. God ends that verse of being still and knowing that he is God by the fact that when everything is said and done, you will not be exalted. The president will not be exalted. Science will not be exalted. Your possessions will not be exalted. Your health will not be exalted. Only God will be exalted. And that is his point. Be still and know that it's me they will exalt in the end. The refrain from verse 7 then is repeated. To help us remember, although yes, he is the only exalted one, he is with us. He is our refuge and fortress, our ever-present help in trouble, so trust in Him. Now, as we come to a conclusion, I think it fitting to tell another story from church history. Over 500 years ago, a German reformer had set the world aflame with his 95 theses and his view on justification by faith alone. And although we think fondly about Martin Luther as this trailblazing boar of the Reformation, Luther was just a man. He feared like you and I do. He feared circumstances of what his uh, actions would make come about. Many times in his life, whether he was hiding in castles for fear of death or sitting with the friends in a pub thinking about what might happen to him for his beliefs, Luther was scared. Luther and his companions, with all their bold readiness for danger and death in the cause of truth, had times when their feelings were akin to those of the divine singer who said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? But in such hours, the unflinching reformer would cheerily say to his friend, Philip Melanchthon, Come, Philip, let us sing the 46th Psalm. He said, we sing this psalm to the praise of God because God is with us and powerfully and miraculously preserves and defends his church and his word against all fanatical spirits, against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil, and against all assaults of the world, the flesh, 
and sin. You see, Luther could get scared, but Luther had the right orientation of being still and knowing who his God was. So, maybe this morning, you need to realize that you need to trust in God as you begin 2023. You need to be still. Remember this rebuke to knock it off. Stop acting like you're in control. Know who the God of the universe is and then walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Maybe you need to repent of trying to act like God this morning. Wanting your name to be exalted being fearful of the circumstances that lay behind you and in front of you and confess that you need to be still and know that he is God. Know that he is everywhere present. He is all powerful and he will be exalted over everything. And he dwells with us and is our refuge and strength. So be still and trust him as you begin this year. Now, maybe in God's providence, you were brought here and you're not a believer in God at all. And I want to remind you that there will be a day when the mountains are thrown into the sea, when the earth gives way, when the nations will rage and totter. Yes, even this nation that we live in now, in that day, the Lord will speak and everything will melt. His judgment will come and be swift And do you think on that day that you will be exalted for all the good things you've done? About you lived a pretty good life and therefore I should be able to get to heaven. Do you think that you will merit refuge by your own strength? Friend, you won't. And on that day, you will know that he is God. So this morning I implore you, come, behold the works of the Lord. What works do I want you to behold? That it is judgment he sent his only son to die in the place of sinners. That whoever would believe in his name would have eternal life. Your call today is to behold Christ. Believe in him. He is your refuge and strength and help in your present trouble, which is your sin. This Christ took on flesh and lived a perfect life in your place and was crucified on a cross for you. He died for your sin so that you may be forgiven and made right before the eyes of an all-powerful, all-present, and exalted God. What a mighty fortress is his name. Let's pray.